It's a real joy to be able to share with you. Um, if you missed what I was saying, I just said that my name's Josh Maynard. I know most of you know, um, for those who don't, I'm the vicar of the church, and it's a great joy to, to be part of this church and to share with you this morning. Um, <clears throat> a good number of years ago, there was a preacher who stood up <clears throat> and preached a sermon, and he had with him a sack, and he said to the people he was speaking to, in this sack, I have the most powerful thing in the world. And so he reached into his sack and he pulled out a knife. And it wasn't just a kitchen knife, it was a machete. And he was stood a bit back from the congregation. And he started wielding this machete around his head. You could hear the, the air, uh, sort of, uh, as you do when you uh, cut something through the air. And he said, this knife, or not this one particular one, but knives have been used for all kinds of evil. They've been used to, to kill people um, and all manner of, of evil. But he said, this is not the most powerful weapon in the world. He lay it down. And they went back to his sack. I, I should hasten to add, this happened in, in the States uh, by a preacher called Jim Burns. He, he grabbed into his sack and pulled out a pistol. And then he held his pistol up into the air and he fired it. And the whole congregation stood up in shock. And then they sat down again. And he said, all kinds of evil has been done with guns. People have been murdered. There's been crimes. There's been fought, uh, wars fought using guns but he said this is not the most powerful weapon in the world he lay it to one side you probably know where i'm going here he then reached down into his sack and he pulled out a cow's tongue and uh, some of the members of the congregation got a bit nauseous as you might uh, expect but he said this is the most dangerous weapon in the world and then he went on to speak a sermon about the power of words and that's what i'm going to do this morning i'm going to talk about the power of words and i want to start by asking us a question do you know the power of your words? It's a question I'm asking myself, been asking myself as I've been preparing this sermon this week. Do I know the power of my words? The Proverbs has quite a lot to say about words. If you've read through the book of Proverbs, you'll have noticed. And in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4, it says, The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. And then Proverbs 18 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Do you realize the power of your words? The tongue, it says here, can either speak words of life or it can speak words of death. Our tongues can build others up or they can tear them down. An unchecked fire can double in size every minute. Gossip and slander are so destructive I'm sure all of us have been impacted on the words of others or maybe seen the impact of words of others on other people. Husbands have stabbed their wives with words that are sharp as daggers. Wives have lashed out with tongues that tear down. Parents have devastated their children by repeated blasts of venom. And children have exploded at their parents with words that have leveled the entire family like a bomb. Many of us may have experienced that, and that can bring great pain and can be really hard when we experience that. But also, uh, the Bible says that the tongue brings life. And we may have experienced the wonder of someone saying to us, I love you. Or maybe someone encouraging us by saying, do you know what? When you did that, you did a really good job. Well done. And those words have really lifted us and inspired us. 
And maybe something, uh, someone has said something when we've bought something new from the shop, just simply said, oh, I like your new jumper or new top. And that sense of affirmation and affection expressed to us. Words can be incredibly life-giving. And this morning, I want to explore the power of our words. And I should add, it comes with great challenge. And I hope we're up for great challenge here at St. James, because actually part of us growing, part of us maturing is to be challenged. And I add very quickly, I myself have been very challenged this week about my own words. And so I'm as much preaching this sermon to myself as to all of us this morning. And so there are four key preaching points that I want to bring out this morning. And uh, hopefully you'll have some notes if you want to follow. Also, there'll be um, bits uh, up on the screen as well to help us follow through. And uh, just really encourage us to be thinking about what is it the Lord is saying to me? Not... uh, What do I agree with or what don't I agree with? Or I wonder what such and such thinks. But what is the Lord saying to you as we look this morning at this passage? And so the first is a reality check. You know, let's be honest, sometimes as Christians we can live a bit up in the sky, can't we, in the clouds and have all these wonderful thoughts. But actually we need a reality check sometimes. And James gives us this. And so the first thing I want to say is we need to know that we all get it wrong. Okay, we all get our words wrong. And James makes this really clear. If we read from James chapter 3 and verses 1 to 2, it says this, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, at this point, you're thinking, well, Josh, that's you, that's not me. Um, But to all of us here, actually, who preach and lead, actually, that we have a real responsibility in the words we speak, not only just up here, but also in our day-to-day lives, that we are giving a good example of the life of what it is to follow Jesus. Um, but for everyone, uh, everyone this morning, there's no cop out here, all of us have a responsibility in our words. James goes on to say, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, James says, able to keep their whole body in check. Now, I don't think anyone here this morning is going to claim to be perfect. The Bible says in Romans, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us fall short. And in our sin, that affects our words as well. And in fact, the the message version of the Bible really helpfully draws this out. And in the message version, we read, we get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. I don't know if anybody's actually been in that situation. They feel every single thing they say, just you didn't quite nail it. You know, you kind of missed the mark or you've put your foot in it. But there is something there, isn't it? Every time we open our mouths, sometimes there can be that sense that actually what we say is not in line with what God wants. Um, uh, In this passage, it says in in the message version, if you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect control of life. You know, no, no matter how disciplined we are with our words, the reality is we always, uh, we, all of us say things that bring hurt to other people. And so question again, so this morning, how do we use our words? Do they bring life to others or do they bring destruction? And uh, it's not all doom and gloom, I realize, you know, that actually probably if we're honest, that there's a bit of both there, I'd imagine, for most of us, that actually, you know, there are, all of us have great words to say to others. But if we're honest as well, there are words that we speak that bring destruction to others. 
And within this, I want to stress again the gap that I talked about several weeks ago between where we are as followers of Christ and we celebrate so much of where we've got to. You know, I look at my own life and think, wow, praise God, you've brought me on this amazing journey. But I also look over there and I think, do you know what, I've got so far to go. And between those two places is the gap. And again, this is what I'm speaking into today about the gap that God is calling us uh, to walk through, that we become more like Jesus, that actually our words are seasoned with salt, that we speak words that are affirming and that bring life. And my experience of the Christian life is great joy, but also struggle and challenge. Uh, uh, We need determination, all fueled by the working of the Holy Spirit. And so this morning we're inviting God to journey with us in the place of this challenge, that we become more like him and we pursue him with words of love and grace. And so that's the first thing. Know that we all get our words wrong. The second is know the power of our words. I've already asked the question, do you know the power of your words? But this is a really important thing to grapple with. Do we actually realize the impact that our words can have on other people? You know, sometimes we can think, well, you know, I'm careful with my children because I know my children are very impressionable. I've got to be extra careful with them. But, you know, maybe my boss at work or someone in authority or uh, my friend, it doesn't really matter what I say to them because they're pretty resilient and they can take it. But actually the reality is, my experience is that our words have real power no matter who it is. And so us being aware of the power our words have is really important. And so James really presses this home. So you might feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over again today, but I'm doing this because James says it. And so I believe scripture is a good model for our preaching. And so I'm going to be repeating, but coming from different perspectives. And so James uses three examples. He uses three pictures to help us to understand the power of the tongue specifically, which is representative of our words. And the first is, I don't know if there are any uh, horse riders here this morning, um, but the first uh, will relate to you. And the first image that uh, James uses is of the bit in a horse's mouth. He says this in verse 3, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. And so James is using the analogy here of a very small bit that's in the mouth of a horse and how that has the ability to completely change which direction the horse is going. Even though it's so small, it has so great power. And James is saying, you know, our tongues, let's not stick our tongues out, but just think about our tongues. They are so small, aren't they, compared to the rest of our body. But the power they have to control the direction in which we go is immense. One commentator talks about how they can determine our destinies, that actually what we say has such great impact. And sometimes we don't even realize what we're saying. Um, I remember a number of years ago when uh, when I first went to Bosnia, I was 18 years old and I was trying to learn the language and I was living with a family who couldn't speak English, which was really helpful in learning the language. And uh, one afternoon, I went to talk to the family I was uh, uh, living with and talking to the mum of the family. And I thought I said to her, uh, yeah, I I thought I said to her in response to the question to me, so what have you been doing this afternoon, Josh? I've been writing some letters all afternoon to to family and friends. And uh, and, uh, she kind of looks at me, firstly looking a little bit concerned. um, And then she burst out laughing. And uh, what I hadn't realized is that the verbs to say, I've been writing, and the verb, the slang verb for saying I've been peeing, 
um, were pretty much the same. So I basically said to her, I've been peeing all afternoon. And you can imagine the kind of impact. I think her, her initial uh, look of bewilderment was a bit concerned. This poor young man, he's got a bit of a problem. Um, but then, he, then obviously realising that what I said was wrong. And I, I hadn't realised in that situation. Now, of course, that was another language. But even in our English, sometimes we don't totally realise what we're saying. And we don't realise the power that our words can have. But also, positively, we may see and recognise, actually, the significant power that words have. Um, so, yeah, I've been watching a film about uh, Winston Churchill and uh, just the, the, the amazing way that God used his word, uh, God used his words, and actually I believe it was God used his words to, to really bring a nation together and stand against evil um, uh, in, in that uh, time where in the Second World War uh, the Nazis had taken over Europe and uh, they were looking to invade Britain. And Britain was on the brink, Parliament, the nation, and Winston Churchill addressed Parliament, and he spoke such powerful words that mobilized the nation to be able to uh, stand firm in the uh, sight of great evil. And so the power of the words is immense. Um, James uh, 3.4, he goes on to use another example. This time he talks about ships, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. And again, James here is stressing the comparative size between the rudder and the ship. And within this, he talks about driven by strong winds, that even in the midst of strong winds, or perhaps better translated, strong gales, gale force winds, the rudder still has the power to be able to determine the direction of the ship. But also within this, James introduces the significance of something else as well. He doesn't just talk about the words. Uh, he doesn't just talk about the rudder or the ship. He also talks about the pilot. And this is really key because actually it's the pilot that determines where the rudder, the direction of the rudder, which then determines the direction of the ship. And so we can see here we've got desire, we've got the tongue, and we've got the body. It's the desire in our hearts that determines the words we speak, which in turn, in turn determines the direction our lives take. And uh, the Bible, of course, makes this really clear in other places. If we read Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And I don't know about you, but I'm so aware in my own heart that there are many great things, many good things that I want to celebrate, but I'm also aware of thoughts, of attitudes that are not of God. And those thoughts and attitudes have an impact on the way in which I relate to others. I also know that my desires uh, are transformed as I worship God. As I worship him, as I come to him, as I lift his name up, my desires become his desires. Uh, my, rather, my desires, bec my, my desires are then more of God, of his desire for me. And we read in Psalm 37, verse 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, God is inviting us to align what's at the center of us, that we may pursue him with all that is of him. And then thirdly, um, as we look at these pictures that James paints, he paints the picture of, uh, of fire, and this is the first time that he moves to the more destructive side of the tongue. Up until now, James's words have been fairly neutral. 
when he's approaching his teaching through these pictures. But in this picture, it's very much a negative picture of the tongue. In verses three to five to six, we read, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. And here comes the shift. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. They're pretty strong words, aren't they, about the tongue and about how they can bring such a negative impact on others. And I'm sure many of us will have seen pictures of forest fires. You know, over the last uh, 10 years, particularly, there's been an increase in forest fires, and we see the destructive power of those. But what those fires started with? They started with one small spark, started with one match, one person leaving a, a cigarette on the floor, or one person starting a fire uh, in, in the woods, and then those fires increasing. Some people doing that deliberately. But the reality is they start with something relatively small. And James here this morning is saying to us, our tongues are really dangerous and they have immense power to impact on others. And as I said earlier, I myself have been really challenged in this and just questioning myself, you know, what are my desires behind the words that I speak? What are the words that I speak? What are even some of the unintended consequences I have of things that I say flippantly or without due consideration. And of course, we don't want to become um, hypersensitive and we don't want to be sort of analyzing every little thing before we say it, but we do want to be mindful of what we're saying and the impact it has on other people. And then uh, as we think about what James is saying here um, to us and how we relate to him and how we relate to God, know the powers of our, know the power of our words the, uh, the final thing I want to say is that our tongues are untamable. Um, we've got a picture, I think, coming up here um, of a tiger. Um, they're sleeping with someone uh, slept next to it. And we know that animals are tameable. Even the wildest of animals are tameable. But, James says, the tongue is untamable. The tongue is cannot be tamed. All kinds, he says, of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now, I don't know how we all feel about that. <laughs> it's a bit depressing, isn't it, really? Um, but, but it is a reality. Do, do, do we recognize this in ourselves at times? Is this something we see that sometimes we say things that do impact on other people? Um, and that, that sometimes is hard for us to recognize, but it's really important we do recognize it because actually it's in recognizing it that we can change and we can become more like Jesus. And so let, let's move into how can we address this? Well, I think the first thing is to uh, speak words. This is my third point. Speak words consistent with our identity. Speak words consistent with our identity. James says in chapter 3 and verses 9 to 12, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. 
My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grape vine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. We are called to bear fruit in line with our identity. And a few weeks ago, I was uh, speaking um, from Ephesians, and I was talking about how we're called to be unified in him. And I was talking about how we are called to emulate the way God the Father loves us. And I quoted from Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 1 to 2, which says, Follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering. You know, God is calling us to follow his example, to express the love of the Father in the way that we love. I don't know how many of you have seen a fig tree bearing olives, or perhaps a better analogy for us here in Britain is an apple tree bearing pears. It never happens. That's the example that James is using, that if we, on the one hand, are praising God with our lips, but on the other hand, are cursing our fellow brothers and sisters, if we're speaking behind their backs, if we're gossiping or slandering them, there's an inconsistency there. Now, of course, when we come to know Jesus, um, we don't immediately become like him exactly. You know, we're on a journey, as I've said already, but we are called to become more and more like him. We are called to express that fruit that he brings through us. And of course, that fruit is called what? It's called the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We're called to demonstrate that fruit um, to others. And so can I, can I encourage us to be a church that's uh, seen as a church that doesn't gossip, that doesn't slander one another, that doesn't speak behind other people's backs, that actually through our words that we seek to speak for each other. It doesn't mean that we're not honest to one another when we do hurt each other. It doesn't mean to say we're not honest with one another when we need to challenge. But what it means is that our heart and our desire is to build one another up and strengthen each other through our words. And fourthly and finally, we want to be people who receive God's words. So firstly, we want to know that we all got get our words wrong. Secondly, we want to know the power of our words. Thirdly, we want to speak words consistent with our identity. Fourthly, we want to receive God's word. You know, God's word, not God's words, but God's word is supremely Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the word of God. Let's receive Jesus with open hearts. He wants to speak into our lives, and he wants to speak through us. You know, on the cross, the divine word died, and through the words, death, life was given to each one of us. It was through what Jesus did on the cross for us that each of us can have life. We're invited to receive this now. And perhaps one of the the most amazing words in the Bible from God to us is from Zephaniah 3.17, where it says, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. God wants to pour out his blessing upon us. 
He wants to fill us with his affirmation and his love. And in terms of response this morning, I think there are two things that I really want to highlight. The first one is that there'll be some of us here that know we've got into patterns of saying things. We, uh, we say things. When someone says something to us, we respond in a certain way. And we just know actually that's really unhelpful, that it brings pain, it hurts other people. And I just believe that God wants to say to you this morning, I love you and I want to renew you and I want to fill you with my love. And as you receive my love, you can speak my words of love to others. But also there's a challenge there to actually change our pattern and change our behavior there. And I believe that God wants to empower us this morning and he wants to give us a fresh touch of his Holy Spirit to enable us uh, to do that. The second thing that I believe God is saying um, is that there are some of us here this morning who have been really badly affected by the words of others, that some of us have had words spoken over us that have left wounds, have left scars, and God wants to again bring healing to us in that place. He doesn't want us to cramp up and hold those things to ourselves, but he wants us to open ourselves to him and invite the healing of the Holy Spirit to come in.